stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, I want to talk about uh, this uh, new documentary. In fact, new book out this week, documentary uh, set to launch on Earth Day. And it's about green energy, which we are told is the future of energy. We're going to phase out fossil fuels and embrace this green future. But is green energy all it's cracked up to be, both in terms of meeting our energy demands and being a realistic solution, but also in terms of its environmental impact? Is it as green as it's been advertised? So the book, Bright Green Lies, is out this week. The documentary, Bright Green Lies, is out next month. More at brightgreenlies.com. Joining us on the line is the director of the film, Julia Barnes, joining us here this afternoon. Julia, thanks so much for making some time for us. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is an important issue, right? I mean, we're, we're kind of at a crossroads of sorts, aren't we? Because, you know, we're having a lot of conversations about our energy future. We're trying, trying to address some big environmental challenges. So what do you think needs to, to be added to the conversation? Yeah, there's a big push to roll out enormous amounts of what they call green energy. So things like solar panels, wind turbines, but also hydro, biomass, things like that, um, which is, you know, typically counted as carbon neutral and people think it's good for the environment and it's very much been branded as this, you know, environmentally acceptable thing. And what's missing from that conversation a lot of the time is the harms that are caused by these technologies. And that's what this film seeks to expose, because when you look behind the curtain at what goes into making these things and the effect that they're having as they're being added to the grid, not actually displacing fossil fuels, you realize that it's actually just adding another harmful industry. It's not really solving any of the problems that it purports to solve. Right. And it's certainly billed as that. It's billed as as the solution to these problems. So when we look at, at wind and solar and um, this kind of technology, I mean, the, you know, the premise is simple enough. The sun provides us energy, wind can be used for energy, but, you know, there, there's a lot more to it than just that. And this talks about, as you say, the darker side of this, because these technologies are not without impacts of their own. So what, what gets left out then? What do people need to know? Absolutely. So these things are called renewable, but they're really made entirely of finite materials. So if you look at anything like a solar panel or a wind turbine, it's made of things like copper and steel and oftentimes rare earth metals. Um, obviously, we know mining is a pretty destructive process, and mining would have to increase dramatically in order to meet the projected demands for the mass production of these technologies. Um, rare earth mining is incredibly environmentally harmful. It causes these huge toxic tailings lakes, lots of toxic waste. Um, they've even got plans to mine the deep sea to produce the... Uh, materials for batteries for electric cars and grid energy storage for things like solar and wind. And that's a complete disaster that is coming down the line. You know, I spent three years making a documentary about the big issues facing the ocean, and this scares me just as much as anything else. Um, it's predicted that each mining vessel would process two to six million tons of cubic feet of sediment per day, um, which would get dumped back into the ocean, cause a lot of pollution, toxify the food web possibly disrupt the plankton who produce most of the oxygen in the air that we breathe. So the push to mass produce these technologies is actually one of the largest threats that is coming down the line for the environment, for the ocean. Um, this is something that we really need to be talking about. And 
getting away from this whole idea that green tech is going to solve our problems because mm-hmm. it's really solving for the wrong variable. It's attempting so what, to yeah. maintain the very system that is destroying life on the planet. Go ahead. What, right, and I just wanted you to finish the thought there, but I mean, I, I do wonder, is it just a, a very myopic focus on a single issue, that being CO2 emissions? Are we missing the bigger picture here? Because one has to wonder then that, that those who would describe themselves as environmentalists, why are they prioritizing things as they are? Because part of this story is about the environmental movement too, I would, would imagine. Mm-hmm, for sure. And the environmental movement started out being very much about protecting the natural world and that being the priority, but it's kind of very much been captured by this industry to the point where, and very much become focused on climate change to the point where, you know, it's a lot of the times it's all about um, getting subsidies for so-called green energy, pushing for the rollout of these things. And yet it's kind of strange because climate has and CO2 has really become the focus and that's a huge problem for sure but it's just one symptom of a of a much larger problem we've wiped out 90% of the large fish in the ocean so much of the forests are gone like there's all this other destructive stuff going on that kind of gets left out of the conversation now and that's a little strange but i think a lot of the times it has to do with the fact that this is an issue that it just it, it gives an easy answer that people want to hear it doesn't really threaten the status quo the idea that you can just, you know, make manufacture these technologies and the problem will be solved. Um, so I think that has something to do with why it's become such a big focus. So where does it leave us? Because as you say, I mean, you know, we, we've got our energy needs. We've also got environmental challenges and, you know, our status quo poses some challenges. The supposedly green future poses a lot of challenges, creates a dilemma of sorts and, and, So where do we need to go, or where does the conversation need to go? I think we need to look a lot more about, um, you know, what is a want and what is a need, Um, you know, what is a luxury, because I think a lot of what this is attempting to do is just perpetuate things as they are, when really we need to radically change the way society functions and realize that you can go back just a few generations and people were not using energy in anywhere near the scale that we are today. So, you know, even a term like energy needs is kind of absurd. I mean, our species has survived for hundreds of thousands of years on this planet without industrial energy. So I think we really need to start looking at it as a luxury, not a need, um, and completely shift the framework within which we're looking at these issues. That has a lot of societal implications, though, right? I mean, is that... We, we look for easy answers, I think, as you say, and that's why all this talk of green and clean and sustainable energy all, all sounds appealing. But uh, I think what you're talking about is, is a much bigger and challenging conversation. Yeah, I mean, frankly, we have to come to terms with the fact that the society in which we live is completely functionally unsustainable, and it can't be maintained the way it is in, in any form resembling what it is right now. I mean... It's all about extraction and converting the living world into commodities. And we can't survive on this planet without the natural world. We absolutely need it. And also it has a right to exist in and of itself. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) it it might be a hard concept for people, but we have to understand that the way that we're living right now is a complete anomaly in the history of our species. So what do you hope people get from this or, or what are you looking uh, you know for, for the impact on, on this to be in terms of how we approach these issues think about these issues 
Yeah, I really want to change the way people think about green technology because I think the image that is attached to it right now is very much not based on reality. And I hope that we can reclaim the side of environmentalism um, or just the way people think in general that is about um, making our allegiance to the natural world and protecting that and not supporting these industries that are actually destroying the natural world. What about the environmental movement? Does there need to be some, some reckoning on that side? Or what, what do you hope uh, you know, that they take from, from this? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to change a lot. And you know, the reason that the film is called Bright Green Lies is that there's kind of two main sects of environmentalism right now. One of them is Bright Greens, and that is sort of an ideology that's based on the idea that technology will solve our problems. But on the other side of it, we've got deep green environmentalism, um, which is honestly a lot of people, but they're not the mainstream organizations that are getting all the funding. Um, but a lot of people are in it because they care about the natural world and they want to radically change the way society functions. They recognize that that is necessary in order to live sustainably on this planet. So I think we need to move back towards that and yeah, really reclaim the environmental movement and shift the direction that it is going in. Well, the book, Bright Green Lies, is out this week. Now, the documentary, uh, the film debuts April 22nd, which is Earth Day, and obviously very uh, deliberate timing on your part, Then, <laughs> For sure. Yes. Well, brightgreenlies.com is uh, the website. It's a trailer there. More information on both the film and the book, brightgreenlies.com. Julia, glad we could get you on here this afternoon. Thanks so much for making some time for us here. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. All right. All the best. Uh, that's uh, Julia Barnes, director of Bright Green Lies documentary, debuting on April 22nd. So an interesting perspective, calling out uh, her fellow environmentalists for selling a lot of myths when it comes to green energy, but suggesting that maybe the answer is perhaps a, a little more radical. So it's some interesting food for thought, I think. And... You know, it's, it's similar to some issues that have been raised in, in other films recently as well. That perhaps, you know, the green future is not all it's uh, cracked up to be. And then where does that leave us? You know, certainly I think there are other uh, avenues available. Uh, nuclear power, I think, is, is a big one. We talked about that recently. Hydrogen, I think, uh, as well. So anyway, brightgreenlies.com if you want to read more about uh, the book or the film. The book is out this week. And uh, the film debuts on Earth Day, April 22nd. All right, speaking of energy, and I guess now we are back at 2.30 here, by the way, Patrick, uh, with uh, our next guest, uh, Montana's Attorney General, is going to join us coming up uh, after the 2.30 news. So we'll find out a bit more about this lawsuit that's been launched uh, against, well, the White House, against the President, over his authority to revoke this permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. Now, Montana's Directly affected by this project, obviously. Texas certainly is, those are the two states that are leading it, but a total of 21 states involved. So maybe offering a, a glimmer of hope, perhaps, uh, for saving this project after all. So we'll get into that coming up uh, after 2.30. Uh, then we'll have some time for your calls here, 403-974-8255. This is Afternoons on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.